0: Find this podcast and others like it at the number one new media network, podshow.com. Better, Better, faster, faster, stronger. stronger. And now with new minty fresh scent. The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 17 Joseph and his Technicolor Dream Coat. You've seen the musical, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And now it's time to read the story from the Bible. You could find this story in Genesis 37, or at least it starts in Genesis 37. Last week, we talked about Abraham. And in between Abraham and Joseph, there are two generations, Isaac and Jacob, who then is later becomes Israel. And one of his 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel is his son, Joseph. And just to set the stage here... Jacob, as you may recall, had a little trouble with his marriage. The biggest trouble he had with his marriage is he married the wrong woman. He worked for his father-in-law for seven years to be able to marry Rachel, and at the altar, his father-in-law switched in Leah, and he needed to work for another seven years to marry Rachel also, not instead. And so Jacob had two wives, and then he has 12 children by these two wives, and each of the two wives maidservants. servants. So, 12 kids, four wives. And that sets some of the stage for what goes on here in Genesis 37, and some of the problem that goes on, because Joseph is the son of that favorite wife, Rachel. And with that in mind, let's read Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, in the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Beha and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the fields, when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, and I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. And so he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. Now Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him what are you looking for. He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their fields? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, Let's go down to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers, and he found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other, Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams when reuben heard this he tried to rescue him from their hands let's not take his life he said don't shed any blood throw him in this cistern here in the desert but don't lay a hand on him reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him in the cistern. Now the cistern was empty, there was no water in it. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spice, balm, and myrrh, and they went on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judas said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out from the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? They got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see if it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces." Then Joseph tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son for many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning I will go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. So the first thing we learn is that Joseph comes from a dysfunctional family, to say the least. There are some real issues here in terms of his position. And his father is certainly not helping the situation by making it quite clear who his favorite is. And so his brothers are already pretty pissed at him. And then Joseph does a couple things. One is he is tending the flock with his brothers, the brothers of the two handmaidens, uh, Bilhah and Zilpha and he brings a bad report about them. Now, it doesn't say whether they deserved it, doesn't say what they were doing, but basically looks a little bit like a tattler here. They they don't like him all the more. And then his father gives him a robe because he wants everybody to know he's his favorite, and they really don't like him. And then on top of all that, Joseph has two dreams. Now, Joseph did have these dreams, and later on we'll see these dreams will come true, and that these dreams were a gift from God to him. But not one of those gifts that was so great in terms of opening, because when Joseph tells the people about these dreams that have been given to him, suddenly he gets in more trouble. Now his brothers want to kill him. And all he's done is had a dream. And yet because of this dream... Now his brothers want to kill him. Eventually, they decide not to kill him. They decide to sell him into slavery. And interestingly enough, they sell him to the Ishmaelites. Well, Ishmael, you may remember, is that other son of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. Ishmael, the son by the handmaiden, sent away. And so he's actually being sold to his third cousins, second cousins. And from there, things go from bad to worse for Joseph. As we pick up the story in Genesis 25, we learn that now Joseph has been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who is one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master... When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in his field, so he left Joseph in care of everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Everything's going well for Joseph. Even in the midst of this, as Being sold into slavery, God is with him, and everything he does prospers, and everything that he does prospers his master Potiphar. But now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he said, My master does not concern himself with anything in the household. Everything he owns is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do with such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. It's interesting. So he's... Drawn a line in the sand and saying, nope, 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 I want no part of this. It would be sin against God. It would be wrong to Potiphar. He's been good to me. He's put everything in charge. And he is wise enough to know that he shouldn't even be with her because there's a chance that he'll change his mind. There's a chance that he'll get snared, whatever. So he draws a big circle around her and says, hands off. One day, when he went into the house to attend his duties, and none of the household servants were inside, she caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand, he had run out of the house. She called her household servants, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home, and then she told him this story, that Hebrew slave you brought us came to me and made sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife was saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger." This is the kind of success you might want to do without. Joseph is doing nothing wrong. He is doing, in fact, the right thing in Potiphar's house especially. And what did he do that got him in trouble with his brothers? His father made him his favorite, not Joseph's fault. And his father gave him a robe, not Joseph's fault. And he told them he had a dream. Well, maybe not the wisest thing to do, but he did have a dream. He wasn't lying. And so Joseph, yet, is now in prison. He's a slave in prison, just to make things even worse. And yet, it keeps saying this strange saying that, and the Lord is with him in whatever he does and prospers him. So he's prospering in prison. The Lord is with him, but he's still in prison. And in fact, we'll pick up this story next week. Joseph stays in prison for at least two years. And yet he is falsely accused, done nothing wrong. And yet the Bible keeps saying the Lord is with him and prospers whatever he does. Whether he's a slave, whether he's in prison, wherever he goes, the Lord prospers him. The Lord is with him. And there's an interesting thing for us to think about. Those who God is with don't necessarily have it easy, and yet somehow that makes it better. And with that, we'll end this show and we'll continue this episode or continue the story of Joseph next week. And feel free to go to the com or drop me an email at host at com to know, let me know what you think of this show. And as always, thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight.
1: Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andres, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.